Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your life within us. We thank you for the presence of your spirit within us. We thank you for your word that's alive, that's powerful. And Lord, as we open our hearts and our minds to your word tonight, we ask that you transform us, that you renew us, that you cause us to come into an understanding of who you are and who you are in us and what you have for us on a level that we never have before. And so, Lord, open our spiritual eyes, open our spiritual hearts. We thank you for the privilege of coming to your word. May you have your way within us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tonight we're uh, teaching on gifts. This is part two of the uh, series called The Gift of God. And last week in uh, part one, we, we talked about uh, what it was like at Christmas time when we were seven years old. How many of you remember what I was talking about this? When we were seven years old, we loved Christmas. We looked forward to Christmas. We couldn't wait for Christmas. And why was that? Because what? Presents. Yeah, Santa Claus was bringing presents, and we couldn't wait for the presents. There was something within our hearts that just, it would just bubbled up within us, and for weeks we really looked forward to Christmas because we knew something was coming. We didn't know exactly what it was. We had some ideas about some of the things we wanted it to be. But we knew that presents were coming, and there was a great enthusiasm. And as time has gone on, and as our life has, has marched on, we've had some of that enthusiasm about Christmas just kind of beaten out of us, kind of drummed out of us. We've, we've got burdened down with the pressures and the burdens, and now when we think about Christmas presents, we think, oh, no, how am I going to afford them? But when you were seven years old, you didn't care how they were afforded for. You just liked getting them. And I, and I just have something in my heart that God has placed in me for this year that I, I want him to be able to reinstill in me the same kind of enthusiasm I had when I was a little kid, not for physical presence, but for his presence, for his gifts, for what he wants to give to me. Do you know that God loves you and he wants to give something to you? And for you to get it, you got to be willing to receive it. You've got to have that, that openness and say, yeah, I'll receive what you have for me. In fact, we, we talked about a seven-year-old's anticipation is, I really want it. I don't even know what it is, but I want it. And I really believe that God is, is moving on the hearts of those of us who are, who are listening to his spirit to say, Lord, I know you have something for me. And I don't want to be cavalier, and I don't want to be hardened, and I don't want to be uh, all sophisticated, mature. I want to have a, a little bit of that childlike enthusiasm that, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, Lord, give it to me. I open my heart. I open my life to receive what you have for me tonight. And so tonight, what we're going to talk about, last week we talked about being open. We talked about having an openness of our attitude, an open of a willingness to receive what God has for us. Tonight, we're going to talk about what is it that God wants to give us? What is this gift of God that God wants to give to us? And uh, so that's going to be the theme of what we're going to talk about tonight. But I just want to, I want to remind you of one more little uh, mindset or a heart that I, that I want you to have during this time that we're, that we're looking at the Word. I've, I've noticed over the last couple weeks, and maybe you've noticed as well, I've received several emails from good-hearted Christians reminding me that this is Christmas season and that we should be saying Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. Have you seen any of these emails? They're almost a little bit hostile, you know. Don't you dare be saying happy holidays, you know. That's, that's leaving Jesus out of the equation. You better be saying Merry Christmas. So I probably say Merry Christmas. And you know what? To all those, maybe, you've, maybe you're one of those that sent me one of these emails, so don't get mad at me, all right? 
But let me say to you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, and happy holidays. But you know what? I want us to have a Merry Christmas. And I want us to say Merry Christmas. I want us to believe in Merry Christmas. But I want to have more than just the Merry Christmas, Merry, M-E-R-R-Y, woo, we're having a party Christmas. But for, for you and me, I want us to have a Merry Christmas, M-A-R-Y. Because Mary was the one whom God put his life within her. And she carried the life of God within her. She carried the life of Jesus within her. And when her womb was open and she delivered, she delivered Jesus to the world. She delivered the word of God, the son of God, the salvation of the world. She was the one who carried it and brought it forth to the world. And for me, I just want, when I say Merry Christmas, yeah, I mean Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, but I also want to be like a Merry Christmas. I want to carry Jesus within me. And I want to be one of those that brings forth the life of Jesus to the world. Can you join me in that celebration of his, because that's really what this season is all about. And it's not just a date on a calendar. That's, that's what we are as temples of his Holy Spirit, as, as carriers of the word of the life of Christ. So can you say it with me? Let's say it together. Merry Christmas. All right? Okay, so let's, let's turn to the Word of God tonight. And we're going to start in Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start at verse 6. This is, uh, like I said last week, the, the Christmas story we'll find in two different uh, places in the uh, New Testament. You'll find it in Matthew, the first couple chapters of Matthew, and in the first couple chapters of Luke. And um, this, is, um, this is a moment... Uh, that you probably have heard of many times when you've heard about the Christmas story, but I, I, I want us to see something very uh, special in the Christmas story here. So let's, let's start at verse 6. It says, While they were there, now who is they? This is Joseph and Mary, had traveled from Nazareth, where they lived, up in the northern part of Israel, and they had traveled down south uh, to the area of Jerusalem, and then just outside of Jerusalem was this little town called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was the, was the home city or the home village of where David, the king, was, was, uh, was born and raised. And that was the city of David. And all of the, the inhabitants of the nation of Israel were, were required to return to the place of the uh, birth of their ancestor so that they could have a census, a registration. They wanted to register all the people of the nation so that they could tax them. And uh, Joseph and Mary both happened to be descended from the tribe of Judah, from the line of David. And so they were required to go to Bethlehem to register. Okay? And so while they were there, there in that place, the days were completed for her to give birth. So she traveled in the last part of her pregnancy. And so uh, when she got there and while they were there, it was time for her to have the baby. And verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn, which gives the impression that, there, that this little town of Bethlehem was overrun with people because of this unusual governmental decree that caused this influx of people. All those who happened to have this descendancy that lined themselves back to King David, all of a sudden the, 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 the town's uh, hotel system was completely overflooded. And even though this woman showed up about to have a baby, they say... Sorry, no rooms for you. But, but we have this place where we, we stable the animals. 
and maybe you can, uh, maybe you can hang out where the sheep and the cows and the donkeys are. And she gave birth and put him in a trough that they feed animals out of. And that's where the king of glory was first laid as his first bed. Because there's no room for him in the end. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I give you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. Can you say that part with me, that part that's bolded right there? There has been born for you a Savior. The Savior was born for you. Who is Christ, the Lord? And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So the first Christmas gift first Christmas gift that God gave us was a Savior because he was born for us. God gave us a Savior, okay? Now, let's, let's, uh, let's also look at another expression of God's in gifting to us. John chapter 4, verse 10 says this. Jesus was talking to a woman who uh, was a Samaritan woman and she actually entered into a little bit of a theological debate with him. And Jesus answered her and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Okay? Luke eleven thirteen says this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Acts 2.38 says this, Peter said to them, Repent, each of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 5, uh, 4 and 5 says this, now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. And Acts 10, 45 says this, All the circumcised believers who came to Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So what obviously is the first answer here? The gift is what? What is the gift? The Holy Spirit. God's gift to you. And Jesus, Jesus said this. If you knew what the gift of God was, you would ask for it. And he'd give you living water. It's very obvious from the scriptures that God's gift for us, the gift of God, is the Holy Spirit. Now, 
That's not something other than God. That is the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of Christ. It is the Spirit of the Savior who, who was given for you. God's gift for you, another way to say this, is himself. He's not just giving you some sort of tangible thing. He's not giving you just some sort of ability or some sort of temporary uh, blessing. God's gift for us is himself. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty awesome. God gave me himself. What, what, more, could, what more could he give? What better thing could he give? He, 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 he reserved for us the best that he could give. He gave himself. He has given his very life, his very presence, his living spirit. And it said again and again and again that we know how to give gifts to our children, and we're, we don't even have it all together. You know, Jesus says, you know, if you're be, you even being evil, I mean, you know, you, know how, you, know how to bless, you know how to bless your own kids. How much more... Will God, the one who is perfect, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So, how do we receive the gift of God's life? We open our hearts and we ask, Father, fill me with yourself. Fill me with your life. It's it's going back to the Merry Christmas. The angel showed up to Mary and says, God wants to overshadow you. And she said, let it be done unto me according to your word. May I receive that which God wants to do. And I, just, I just, sometime as we just open the word tonight, I just want you just to open your heart and to receive the gift, the presence, the, the, the wonderful blessing of God giving his life to us, his Holy Spirit. Well, let's, let's, look, let's look at these gifts because this gift of the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about it in, in several ways and gives us a, a different uh, viewpoint, different aspects, different understandings about what the gifts are, the gift of his Holy Spirit. Romans 11.29 says this, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And if you want to put it in your fill, on, fill in there, his gifts are certain. They're certain. They're absolute. They're, they're bankable. You can, you can rely on it. When God gives you his Holy Spirit, when it says it's irrevocable, that means he gives himself to you and he doesn't take it back. It's not, it's not a, uh, uh, an iffy situation. It's when he imparts his life to you, it's permanent. It's real. It's as sure as his word. It's as sure as himself. It's, it's the most, it's, in fact, you can rely more on the presence of God in your life than you can about anything else about yourself. Have you ever, have you, ever you know, uh, disappointed yourself? <laughs> have you ever done that? You know, you know, set out to do something and you didn't follow through with your own intentions? Have you ever had an expectation that you were going to be and do some great and mighty thing and all of a sudden you weren't all as great and mighty as you thought you were? <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing because I'm glad you're honest enough to admit that. I want you to understand, with all of our own shortcomings and all the ways that we disappoint ourselves, God will never disappoint you because he is always there. His gift 
is irrevocable. And you may screw up really, really bad. And you may disappoint him and yourself really, really bad, but he's not going to pull out on you. He's not going to quit on you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to say, oh, man, boy, did I make a mistake when I showed up to you. No. It's a gift. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's not paid for by some, your, your, your anything. It's him out of the awesomeness of who he is giving himself to us. And it's irrevocable. It's certain. It's absolute. It's permanent. It's eternal. Do you know that you will live forever because his life, his everlasting life lives within you? Jesus told the woman, if you had asked him, he'd give you this living water and it will never run out. It will never go dry. It's his Holy Spirit. Is that good? Yeah. Ephesians 3, 7 says this, of which, this is Paul speaking, okay? He says, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. And so you can fill in this. His gifts are by his grace and his power. His gifts are by his grace and his power. Now let's just take a moment, and we're going to talk next week a lot about grace, but I just, I just want you to have this word infused into your heart a little bit. The word grace. Now some of us, you know, I, I don't know what your definition of grace. Some of us, when we hear the word grace, we think about, thank you, Lord, for this food, amen. I mean, that's, for some people, that's the only definition they have of grace. Well, let's, let's, let's say grace, and they pray for food. And that's good. It's appropriate. It's appropriate for you to be thankful for your food. But the word grace literally means the presence and the power and the influence of God. God's grace is God's power. It's his influence. And when God gives you his grace, it does incredible, wonderful things. So when we, we say that he gives his gifts, it's according to the gift of his grace. So, so basically what I'm saying, everything we're talking about tonight, we're saying the exact same thing over and over again, but a whole, different, a whole bunch of different ways. It's kind of like picking up a diamond and, and showing it through the light, and all of a sudden you're seeing the different facets and the different colors and the different way the light radiates through it. God's presence is like a diamond in that regard. His gift, his Holy Spirit, his grace. It's, it's, there's so many aspects to it that, that it's, his word just reveals in. Tonight we're just going to kind of look at uh, all these different, different aspects of what it is that he's given to us. Let's look at another aspect of this. James 1.17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow, I'm sorry, there, there is no variation or shifting shadow. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. So his gifts are perfect. And they're from heaven.
Holy Spirit is perfect within you. You didn't get a secondhand Holy Spirit. You didn't get a refurbished Holy Spirit. You didn't get a, uh, 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 you know, a used Holy Spirit. He's perfect. From heaven, from above, from his domain. And, he, and, he, and so it's not earthly. It's not of the earthly system. He has placed his life, his mind, his power, his everlasting life within us. And it's good and it's perfect and there's no variation. Think about that. No variation. That means the Holy Spirit, the eternal Spirit of God, what he declared from the very beginning, what he has declared about the future, he doesn't change. He's unchangeable. He's immutable. You can absolutely rely on him. What he has promised you, what, the way that he is, he will be that way all the time. So, so I asked you before, have you ever disappointed yourself? Yeah. And have you, have you ever experienced where things around you have changed? I know it's a facetious question, but have you experienced change? I mean, things change so fast around us. So, life is so crazy. I mean, you get to the point where if, if you're not careful, you can almost get discouraged. Things just change. I mean, you, you never know what to rely on. We, we were standing out front and talking about, you know, how, how quickly the government changes policies. And, and uh, you never know. You know, you can, you can put all your faith into some sort of, some sort of security, and you never know what's really going to be there the next day. I mean, how, how we, if, you, if you have placed all of, your, all, of your, all of your expectations in the housing market, where would you be today? Or all of your expectations on the stock market, or all your expectations in anything of this world, it's going to change. It's going to change on you. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit... He doesn't change. And that's something that you can really be thankful for because his love for you never changes. His power in you never changes. His mercy, his kindness, his wisdom, his faithfulness never changes. We change, and hopefully we will grow and become more and more like him. And as, as his influence in our lives, we become more and more like Christ. But we got to understand that we're the one changing, not him. He is the constant, the absolute constant of the universe. And he's perfect. You know, it, it, wouldn't be so, it wouldn't be so great if he didn't change, if he wasn't perfect, right? You know, if it was, if it was you know, it was kind of half-baked, you know, you'd, you'd kind of hope he didn't change. But the fact that he's absolutely perfect and he doesn't change... How wonderful is that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your gift is perfect. 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. His gift are beyond words. Go ahead and fill that in. They're beyond words. And thank you, Lord, for them. And one of the great things about the fact that they're indescribable And that's part of the reason why I'm struggling through this teaching. I'm trying to put into words something that's beyond words. 
And my words, my language, my ability to articulate is, is limited. It's, it's, it's insignificant compared to the majesty and the glory and the wonder, and the perfection of God. And yet, am I trying to describe it? It's, it's good because it expands, it expands my heart. It expands my thanksgiving. And as we, as we look at him and we, and we see all the wonderful, perfect things and faithful, unchanging things that he does, the Bible says, thanks be to God. And we, we've talked about this for several weeks now. One of the most powerful things that you can always do, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's being changed around you, no matter what, how much you don't have, you can always be thankful. And that, that thankfulness will release his power, will release his peace, will release his presence within our lives. Let's turn over to the back of your outline. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not ourselves, it is the gift of God. So the gift of God is salvation. Gift of God is salvation. I was once alienated from him. I was once separated from him. But he has brought a savior. For unto you is born a savior. And Jesus came and he paid the price. And everything that would separate us from God, Jesus filled the gap. Jesus extended the mercy. Jesus paid the price. He brought salvation. He took us out of darkness and into his light. And it's a gift. Again, can't be earned. You can't buy it. You can't deserve it. But he offers it freely to us. And the best thing that we can do is say, I want it. Yes, Lord. Give it to me. I receive your gift of salvation. Let's look at the next one. Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the gift of God is the gift of eternal life. It's his Holy Spirit. And he is living water. And it's everlasting life. He has given you life that will not end. Now, your biological body, your biological body will end in its present condition. It will either die or it will be transformed, but you will not always be in this physical body in its present state. Some of you are probably happy about that. I'm becoming happier and happier and happier than I get to trade in this old model. But there's life within me. It's the life of God, and that will never die. And the real me, who has life of Jesus, is going to live forever. And guess what? I'm going to live with you forever. So you might as well get to liking me. And you might as well learn to like the people around you because in Jesus we live forever and ever. Praise God. Romans 3, 23 through 25 says, For, we, for all have sinned and, fallen, and fall short of the glory of God. But it says this, verse 24, Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. 
which was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. You're feeling there is the gift of justification. Justification. Pastor Rick likes to say justification is just as if I had never sinned. Justified is just as if I had never sinned. It's God saying, without me, you've fallen short of the glory. You're out of whack. You're, you're in darkness. Your life is, is the image of God that, was, that you're created to be was marred. It was distorted. There was sin. Sin is missing the mark, falling short of the glory, being separated from the perfection of God. But Jesus came and shed his blood, paid the price, and brought us back into right alignment with God. Right alignment with who we were designed to be. The image of God is now corrected in us. We're no longer a distortion of the image of God. We actually become a true reflection of the image of God because of what Jesus does within us. He places his spirit within us, and all of a sudden, we're exactly the way we're supposed to be. I don't know if you've ever seen in uh, modern uh, word processing, you can, you can type, it's not even typing anymore, but we call it typing. You can type the words on a page, okay, and it doesn't matter how many, how many words you put in a particular line, you know, they can all end in different areas. But if you, if you highlight those words and you hit this wonderful little button in a word processing called justify, you know what it does? It causes the left end of the margin and the right end of the margin to line up perfectly. And all the words and all the lines line up just perfectly from one side to the other. And they call it in word processing justifying. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus does for us. He takes all of our lives that are all out of whack and all out of kilter, and he lines it up so it's just perfectly aligned with his will, perfectly aligned with his purpose, perfectly aligned with what he has designed us to be. He justifies us so that we're perfectly lined up. It's all right in where it's supposed to be. Now, that's a gift that he does for you. Because if you try to straighten out your life and make it all perfect, you'd, you know, it'll be all distorted. But as soon as God comes in, he takes all those goofy, weird things that we do and all those silly things that we say and all those bizarre circumstances that we do to ourselves and other people do to us, and he causes us to be justified right in perfect alignment to what he, he causes all things to work together. He causes all things to work for his glory. He causes our lives and all that we experience, he works it all together to say, that's just how I want it to be. And we can thank him for that too because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's a gift that he gives to us. Are you thankful for that gift? Romans 5, 15 and 17 says, but the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from the one transgressing, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness 
will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ, the gift of righteousness. Okay, this is a little bit different than justification, but very similar. And all that, the one and the one, you almost have to read that, that chapter in Romans to understand. What, what Paul was doing was he was contrasting Adam to Jesus. In fact, Jesus is called the second Adam. Okay? Adam was the first man. And what did the first man do when God told him one thing not to do? What did he do? He did the one thing God told him not to do. And the very first man, our father, our biological father of the entire human race, he sinned, and, and God told him, in the day that you disobey, you will surely die. And he brought death to the planet. And the Bible says, and this is what it's talking about here, through the sin of the one, death reigned for many, for billions. And billions of people die spiritually because of the sin of the first one, Adam. The sin of the one caused the transgression of many. But the grace of God through the one Jesus Christ, everyone has the opportunity to have justification. And because of the justification and the free gift of grace and the mercy that was poured out by the blood of Jesus, now righteousness has been given as a gift. So not only does God realign us, but he looks at us and he says, you're right. You're perfectly right. There is, it is exactly how God wants us to be. When Jesus comes into us and his Holy Spirit comes into us, he causes us to be just right. Exactly how I want it. Where there was sin and it caused there to be transgression and death, now life lives in us because of the one, Jesus Christ. He's given us a gift of righteousness. We can stand before him and I I can stand before him with boldness and with confidence because of his grace that I know that I have the right to stand before the holy God. I have the right to say, I am a son of God. I am a child of God. I have the right to say that I am part of the body of Christ. Not because of me, but because of what he did for me. And he's made my life right before him. That's a wonderful gift. Merry Christmas to you. Okay, one last one, okay? One last one. Have you enjoyed this so far? Yes, okay, here's the last one. Now there's, there's uh, four scriptures here, but, but uh, I, want, I want you to see the picture of this. This is starting Romans chapter 12, verses five and eight. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay? Let's read 1 Peter 4.10. For each one has received a special gift. Employ it in the serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
Would you circle that manifold grace of God? Circle that word, manifold grace of God. And let's look at Ephesians 4, 7 through 8, and then 11 through 13. It says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And then let's just read this last one. 1 Corinthians fourteen twelve says, So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, Seek to abound for the edification of the church. Okay, so why, we, why did we go here? And I'll give you the fill in a second here. We are all members, parts, components. We are all part of the body of Christ. The, the body of Christ is a many-membered body. And we are all part of it. And when God gave us his Holy Spirit, he gave us all of his Holy Spirit. Yet each one of us is a unique expression of the life of God. And each one of us, as God has given his spirit within us, are going to manifest or reveal or, or emphasize a different aspect of that diamond. Remember I said it's like holding a diamond up to light and you're going to see different colors and different aspects. All of us together make up that beautiful expression of the life of Jesus. But individually, we're not all the same. And individually, we have not, not um, it's all the same spirit, but we, we express different in gifting or different portions of the life of God, okay? But all of it was given, all of it was given so that we would serve one another, and by serving one another, the body of Christ is built up. The body of Christ is edified. And that word edified is, is it's like the word building. It's like he's building his temple. You know, God has always wanted to have a temple. He wanted to have a place where man would come and, and interact with him and there'd be worship and there'd be this, this communion between God and man. At first it was a tabernacle. And that tabernacle was made of a tent and they could tear it down and carry it on their shoulders and then set it up again and then they tear it down and carry it on the shoulders and set it up again as they wandered through the wilderness. And then they got to, into the promised land and they got to the land that God had given them and they built a more permanent structure. They built a temple and they overlaid it with gold. But then the people rebelled against God. And God allowed enemies to come in and that temple was torn down. And the people were taken away. But then God restored the people and they came back and he let them build it again. And the second time they built it, they kept building it, and they made it bigger and bigger. And by the time that Jesus came around, this temple was this enormous complex. And it was beautiful. And it was shining on a hill. And when Jesus was about to go back to heaven, his disciples, just before he was crucified, his disciples said, look at how beautiful the temple is. And Jesus says, yeah, it is, but not one of those stones are going to lay, not be torn down. Because this building is going to get torn down. 
And you know what? Within 40 years, the Romans came in and they got torn down. And so there hasn't been a building for God's people to meet with God on the planet. But God wants there to be a temple, but he doesn't want it to be a temple of stone. He doesn't want to be a temple of bricks. He doesn't want to be overlaid with gold or marble. He wants his building to be those people you're sitting at the table with. The temple of God is his church. The bride of Christ, the city of God, the place of worship is us. And where does he show up? But here, inside of us. And together, collectively, we are the body of Christ. We are the temple of God. We are the place of God's worship. We're where God and man comes together, and there's the worship and the glorification of God. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the whole history. It's the whole context. It started in a tent, but it ends up in a, in a, in a body of people. And every time you express the unique expression of God in you, the gifts that he's given you, and each of us have certain, certain things that, that God reveals in certain ways. Some of it is serving in certain ways. Some of it is an edifying or encouraging people. Some of it is having, a, having the ability to have faith to see certain things. Some of it is ability to teach. God said, uh, the scriptures say that when Jesus gave gifts to the body, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as pastors. Guess what? I'm a gift to you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm a gift to you. But guess what? You're a gift to each other too. Part of the gift of God is he gave us his Holy Spirit, but he put his Holy Spirit in people. And so just as much as his Holy Spirit lives in you, his Holy Spirit lives in those people around you. And you need to value them as a part of your life in God, a part of the gift of God for you and in you. We need each other. We need each other. And the Bible gives all kinds of illustrations like that. It's, you know, my, my heart can't say, well, I don't need my liver. My liver can't say, well, I don't need my heart. Because without either one of them, what happens to me? Right? And Dave, you're a liver. Well, maybe your heart. But you can't do without Dawn. And we need one another. And we need to value one another. And we need to not hold back and withdraw and restrain the gift of God within us, we need to freely give the gift. We serve one another. So whatever it is that you have a unique perspective, you have a unique talent, you have a unique ability, I, and I don't know what it is, until you start sharing it, until you open up your heart, until you open up your mouth, until you open up your life, until you show up and start being Jesus who's in you, and all of a sudden, then we are all blessed. And then we all together begin to reveal who Jesus really is because he's building us into his church. So here's the last fill-in. Our spiritual gifts are for the building of Christ's body, his church. For the building of Christ's body, his church. His temple, the place where he dwells, the place where worship takes place. He's giving you his Holy Spirit. It's irrevocable. It's perfect. It's from above. It's by grace. It's by power. 
It's unique. It's holy. It justifies you. It causes you to be righteous. It gives us salvation. And we need to implore it, employ it. We need to serve with it. So when God shows up in you, then I am blessed. And when I show up with God in me, you are blessed and we become members of one another. We need to receive the gift and then employ the gift by service so that Jesus' life can be revealed to the world. Does that make sense? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you. It's indescribable how wonderful you are to us. We are so thankful that your promise, your word, will never fail. You've declared heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And this word that you've revealed to us again tonight is the promise of your presence, the promise of your spirit, the promise of your life within us, eternal life within us. You've given us a precious, wonderful gift. Lord, we receive it tonight. We thank you for it. And we're not going to just hold it for ourselves because we realize it isn't given just for us. But you gave us the gift of your spirit and you've given us different talents and abilities. You've given us different perspectives. You've, you've placed different res, uh, responses and, and, and ways of expression that we may serve one another, that your body may be built, that your temple may be revealed, that your glory may fill the earth, and that which you have always sought, a place where man and heaven, where God and man, where the life of God revealed in man can come together. And like the promise, declaration of those angels, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth among men with whom you're pleased. May we have a merry Christmas in our hearts. May we carry your life, your spirit, your perfect spirit within us. And may we deliver the life of Jesus to a world who so desperately needs you. May we do it with a heart to serve. May we do it with an attitude of grace because that's how we received it. We thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen.